Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. We just want to watch fun football again, man. That's all we want. Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ from 12 to 3 p.m. I have a feeling we are going to hear from you. I don't need to press you on it. The text line is open, 704-570-9610. Immediately, we got Spence writing in, Walker in all caps, talking about what if we kept Steve Wilkes. Kept is in all caps. It's already off and rolling. We can't even get through the intro before Mm. we have people upset with the product that we've seen through the first three weeks. How are you feeling after the weekend, Wes Bryant? I'm feeling pretty good, you know. I can't complain too much. Saturday's college football slate, it was it was a little disappointing, but still pretty good. And then, you know, Carolina's game yesterday, a little bit of a dud. But overall, all in all, it's a football weekend. I can't ever complain too much on a football weekend unless my teams are abysmal and Wake did lose. So, yeah. Okay, so that that <laughs> ended – we ended in a dark place. We started off with you can't ever complain except for the fact that Wake did lose, and so now I might be complaining. Also, the Panthers fans, maybe not feeling the same way you do because the football weekend, depending on who you were a fan of within the ACC, mm-hmm. it did not go well for you once again with them losing to Seattle in week three. And there's a lot to get to quarterback conversation, owner conversation, general manager combo. Head coach discussion. Believe it or not, at the end of the segment, we're going to ask you, the listeners, what we should talk about in the second segment. So stay tuned. We'll ask you. We'll we'll go to the listeners. We'll put up a poll on what combo you want us to have once we get over with the intro. But speaking of the intro, it's time to do that right now. Pull up to the scene. Get off the bus. Go ahead, Fiddy. Open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Let's hear from the quarterback that actually was probably the biggest positive of this Carolina Panthers performance yesterday. Andy Dalton talked about how they how the team has to make sure they're locked in. When you have to use the silent cadence, there's an operation to it. And you know, even when mixing up snap counts and different things, we have to make sure that we're locked into exactly what we're doing. And so um, I think as a whole, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at it. And, and, and I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get that fixed because we can't have that can't have that happen again the way it did the offensive line tons of false starts taylor moten had a couple Ike Aquanu had all the rest basically had five penalties in this game had four false starts a couple of penalties on the interior this is a team that has the most penalties through three weeks so far and yet i did want to ask this question and if you think i'm crazy for asking this you can text me and let me know i gave you the number you know what it is but because there was a positive with Adam Thielen going over 100, DJ Chark getting loose. On pace loosened. for a G. 
Um, yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the positive side. Is he on pay? Yeah, I guess so after this game. So you look at DJ Chark getting open downfield a little bit. You see Andy Dalton completing passes going over 300. It goes to show that this passing offense can go for over 300 yards, especially against a defense that had not been performing well going into week three. With all that being said, you can tell me if this is a bad question. Should Panthers fans feel worse about this team after this performance? Or is there enough hope? Should you feel a little better after this week's performance? Is it crazy to even ask that question because you're like, yo, we should definitely feel worse as Panthers fans. Wes, what do you think? Yeah, because Andy Dalton, I mean, you know what you're going to get from him, like we said. He did start for New Orleans last year, had a solid year, but to think that this is what you're going to get from him week in and week out, I don't think that that's necessarily the case, and I think that's the thing you take away that's a little bit more of a, a gloom and doom look at things is that with Andy Dalton, you know, he did play good ball yesterday, but you know with the offensive line, their shortcomings, you feel like that performances like that from Andy Dalton are going to be few and far between. Not only that, because of his age as well. And then the defense yesterday, they've had a lot of injuries. And then the play that you saw in the second half. So it just kind of feels like when you want to start feeling good about one thing, something else comes into the equation to divert your attention. Yeah, lifelong rule hater wrote in, you should definitely feel better, but the facts are it ain't going to help down the line based off what we saw. 704 said worse because we have more injuries, which is true. You had a lot of people. We already were dealing with a ton of injuries heading into this week, mm -hmm. and then you suffered a few more in this game against Seattle. Jay wrote in, absolutely, you need to feel worse. 910 said we need to pee on the fire, call the dogs, let's go home. Smitty from the city, worse because Dalton vastly out played what we've seen from Bryce Woo. the first two weeks. Stop mm. with the no separation excuses. Andy didn't mm. seem to have an issue with almost four bucks through the air. Here's what I'll say about just keeping some perspective about all of this. Andy Dalton, I, you can't have any problem with him today. I thought Andy Dalton was very good in this game. I thought there was pressure in his face. The offensive line on top of the penalties, especially interior and left side, Wes, you saw a lot of pressure in his face. And he delivered in the first drive. How about rolling out of the pocket to his left, helmet to helmet, bang, getting hit. Yeah, that and, hit was bad. I was like, man, is he still alive? And completing a pass downfield while doing it. You didn't need the penalty to keep you driving. You were actually able to complete that pass. I thought right then and there, yep, Andy Dalton came to play. He's ready to battle against the Seahawks. The perspective for me, Wes, is didn't we already say this? Didn't we already prepare for this? That Andy Dalton would be the starting quarterback against the worst defense that the Panthers have faced through three weeks. Probably the passing offense was going to look better against that Seattle defense. And then we were going to come in on Monday with people ready for Andy Dalton to start no the rest about of the year. It. No doubt we about prepared. it. People are not going to look at things the way it should be looked at. You're talking about Bryce Young went up against two top ten top 10 defenses because oh yes folks the Atlanta Falcons are sitting there in the NFL in total defense ranked 8th in all of the league the New Orleans Saints are ninth in all of the league and guess where the Seattle Seahawks are 30th so let's kind of put that in your pipe and smoke that when you want to say how much better Andy Dalton is than Bryce Young now I'm not saying that Bryce Young would have did what Andy Dalton did yesterday I'm not going to go that far but let's just keep that in perspective as well. Yeah, so it seems like a lot of the fans on the text line right now are ready to go with Andy Dalton, which I was totally prepared for. And <laughs> and this is the thing, though. I have zero problem with Andy Dalton in this game. I don't know how you could. Wes, what was your... The guy was good yesterday. 
I mean, you can go to the first drive of the game, ready to battle, as I mentioned, rolling out of the pocket to his left, completing a pass downfield, getting hit helmet to helmet. You can look at the Panthers scoring drive in the second half, answering the Seahawks scoring drive coming out of the locker room, completed passes of seven yards, 23, 15, 25 on that scoring drive. Bang, bang, bang. You set yourself up for a Miles Sanders one yard run in. And this was after Geno Smith was able to lead his team down the field where the defense in that drive provided really zero resistance. So there were some great things from Andy Dalton. The thing is, I feel like Bryce Young, I don't know if he puts up 360, okay? I'm not going to tell you that Bryce Young comes in and plays exactly as well as Andy or better. But the offensive line, even with it not playing as well, the defense isn't as good as what you have in New Orleans. Atlanta's defense... They're kind of for real. You look at Jesse Bates, got another interception against Jared Goff. Detroit's offense, very good, and they held them to, I think, 20. It's not the reason they lost the game. It was the offense scoring three over the weekend. We know how real New Orleans defense is. And so when you go up against Seattle that had struggled coming into this weekend, I think this was the time to see the passing offense explode or at least go for over 300. They threw 58 times to get there, no doubt. But we know that Andy Dalton was efficient enough. There were enough downfield plays to feel better. That's why I ask the question, do we feel better? Did the receivers, did this passing game show enough to where you can throw Bryce in there and feel a lot better about your number one overall pick? Or do we think there is that big of a gap between Dalton and Bryce. And for me, Wes, even if you think Andy Dalton is better, that's fine. I don't think there is that big of a gap between these two guys to the point where I feel better about Bryce going in there, whether it be week four or week five, and this passing game looking better than what it did the first two starts of Bryce Young's career. Yeah, I mean, with Andy Dalton, you're talking about a veteran, man. This guy's seen it all. He's been in the league forever. So you knew that he was going to come out and be able to make some plays just off the strength of the fact of he's been in the league so long and the experience, the seasoning that he's got. He's also coming off a season where he was a starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, a team that had a chance at perhaps a playoff spot last year, but it was all for naught. So also factor in the fact that he was playing with nothing to lose. Like Andy Dalton is not worried about if he's going to start the next week. He's not worried about getting pulled. He knew in this game he had free reign to go in there and play football the way he felt it needed to be played and live with the results because for one, the Panthers didn't have a better backup option than that and two. So I said it, this is just where he is in his career. He's the backup now. So I think all that played into it uh, as well. And so I think that when you look at what he did in this offense going forward, we saw the, the, the chart last week that showed that Bryce Young was the best in the league at finding guys completing passes in open windows. It just the windows haven't yeah. been open like that. So it would have been interesting to at least be able to see what he could have done in a game where guys were open often. As you imagine, we have a ton of text. Let's go to Hunter. He said, I felt better yesterday. If you look at the injuries we had, we had no business making it as close as we did for that long. Yeah, it sucks, but it's the first time I felt we could win until midway through the fourth quarter of yesterday. And we've seen the fourth quarter really be the uh, undoing of this team. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in three games. They've been competitive, even if it was more so because the defense was playing a lot better. The offense has not been great and then the fourth quarter happens and then they fall apart that even happened on the defensive side yesterday against seattle you have formal tim writing in have to feel worse walker the defense lets you down in the second half exposing the serious lack of depth on this team which i understand the second half has been a problem for the defense the last couple of weeks but 
when you say it exposes the lack of depth, was there really a big problem with lack of depth defensively? Or is it that everybody is getting knocked out of the game? Mm-hmm. Xavier Woods, he gets knocked out. And I actually feel okay about Sam Franklin coming in, right? Like, Wes, we thought pretty... So that run. Yeah, that's true. He got trucked. <laughs> but also, there's one play where he sticks his leg into the ground and then goes, pursues... A, I like and, and has, I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. He has a nice pass breakup. But you're right, not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. I think there are a lot of tough things to overcome. The penalties, when you beat yourselves, that's the maddening thing. Wes, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. I remember Kevin Donnelly... A while back, getting called for three straight penalties, and then he threw his helmet. The great Kevin Donnelly, who's a great guy. I remember that watching as a kid. But Iki Aquanu, back-to-back false starts. And by the way, on that drive, the Panthers overcame it. <laughs> on that very drive, they scored a touchdown. Desp- despite Iki Aquanu doing his very best to limit even more of the scoring, they were able to come back and score on that drive. Taylor Moten had a couple. We know the struggles of the interior offensive line. Chandler Zavala had a second straight game where he got pushed around. Bozeman got pushed around by Jaron Reed. We talked about that. <laughs> Whew. Those are some <laughs> of the reasons to feel bad. Man, when I tell you about Iki getting four false starts, that's just, I can't even begin to imagine that, man. It was wild. I know it was loud in there, like they said, and then Reich saying that they had practice with the noise didn't make it sound any better, didn't he was hot. make the blow land any smoother. But, I mean, just out there, man, you see out of your peripheral the ball, and it's like you, you're jumping like that. Like, are you so worried about giving up a sack? But I'll tell you, that left side, man, yeah, it's not much better than that right side. I mean, we'll talk about it at some point, man, but... Uh, I think they missed on Zavala. Well, the, the left side, you're saying it's it's significantly worse than the right side. I'm not saying it's significantly, but it in the whole heap of a lot better. It's rough over there, too. Oh, yeah. That's, I guess I'm a little confused about the, the emphasis you're putting. Yeah, I'm I think, saying Aki and Chandler together, like, that's yeah. still a rough duo, man. Things sure. aren't uh, too smooth sledding over there, either. Oh, yeah. I don't know if yeah. anybody can disagree with you. <laughs> After what we've seen, uh, we're fans of Icky. We were fans coming into the season. Yeah, it man. just hasn't worked out. Not. It's it, that's, that's a brutal turnaround. All right, we're going to go to the next segment, but I have a question for the listeners. You're going to dictate what we talk about next segment. Ball's in your court. 704-570-9610. You have three options. Do you want us to have a David Tepper conversation? Do you want us to have a Scott Fitterer conversation? Or do you want us to have a Frank Reich conversation? You text us. David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, Frank Reich. What should we talk about in the second segment? 704-570-9610. We'll hear from you, and then we'll discuss it. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, 
jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Method Man and Fitty being the dynamic producer that he is. That. Decided to roll in with some Method Man. Okay. I'm a Method I love Man. It. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. All right, we left you with a question. You got to decide what we talk about in this segment. Do we want to have a David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, or Frank Wright conversation? We got a few Franks, but really it was a two man race between David Tepper and Scott Fitterer, which I expected. You expected it too, right, Fitty? Yeah, and I mean, look, to be frank, nobody wants to talk about the head coach. That's true. We can be frank about it, and I see what you did there. <laughs> if we missed it, it's because you went for the drums the second straight time. <laughs> but it really, it was a two-man race. And even so, between those two guys, Fitterer wins out here, Wes. Scott Fitterer, he is the most mentioned name on the text line with who people really want to share blame about or just hear thoughts about Scott Fitterer. And we were all interested if this season goes south, which 0-3, with the way that the offense has looked with the number one overall pick, I'm not surprised at all that Scott Fitter is the guy that people wanted to talk about first and foremost. The New Jersey Devil mascot is definitely in the elevator looking at us in the face pointing down. Scott Fitter is waiting to go out of Bank of America Stadium. <laughs> He's waiting for the elevator. It's a, it opens up. The devil is there. Scott says, where are you going? He points down, yeah. and Scott might just be boarding with him. <laughs> David Tepper might be pushing him on that elevator in order for him to go down with that New Jersey devil. Yeah, this is the reason, Wes, because you look at the draft history of this team, and we mentioned this stat even before the season started. I forget who it was, so I apologize. I believe it might be Ari Myrov. I'm not sure. But when it comes to players – what teams are responsible for those players start in the NFL, whether it be being drafted or undrafted free agency or whatever. The Cowboys were number one. It shows just how good they are at talent evaluation. Maybe not this weekend on full display, losing to the Cardinals, but Easy. <laughs> but the but the Cowboys were number one on that list. And the Panthers, by like ten players, were the worst. Second place was, you know, ten players above them. And you start to look at Scott Fitter and the draft history with him and Matt Rule, who had 51% control over the personnel when both of these guys were in the organization. But Scott Fitterer, he comes aboard one more year after Matt Rule, has one draft so far without Matt Rule, and it doesn't look good with the rookie class right now. We're three games in. I am not one that is going to feel comfortable saying, yep, he completely blew it. He completely blew it with this draft class. But there are signs that are very good through three weeks. You look at the quarterback position. C.J. Stroud is throwing for a lot of yards. Yes, he is. He picked up a big old. Win. He picked up a big old win against Jacksonville. And and this isn't one of those things, Wes, where Houston is trying to hide their quarterback. He threw for a lot of yards, and they beat a really good football team in Jacksonville. At least what we expect to be a good football team. We can even go with Houston again if you want to. I know you're going to be pounding your chest. 
Tank Dell looks good. Nathaniel, that's what I started calling him. When I see him make plays, I just oh, yell out Nathaniel. No, you got to call Why are you making his cool nickname into a boring name? Like because we, it's Tank. Tank is a sick nickname. That's one of the things you do on, on, on the team, man. You remember one of my favorite clips is when um, – may not be the greatest example of guys using somebody's full name, but when Ray Rice broke that run and Ray Lewis was just on the sideline yelling out, Raymond! Raymond! Ray Lewis is. always crack me up. So that's why I start calling him Nathaniel when he's making plays out there. With Nathaniel, Tank, yeah. whoever it is, he went for a touchdown at over 145 yards as a deep threat and somebody that can just be involved in a lot of different phases of the passing game. No doubt about it. Jonathan Mingo, he got hurt yesterday. There were some times actually where Mingo was starting to show something. Mm-hmm. And I actually, he was getting involved, gets hurt, exits the game. There was a play where Dalton missed him because there was pressure in his face. It seemed like maybe Mingo would get involved a little more, but clearly not as much as Tank Dell. Lots of DJ Johnson texts coming in right now. Mm-hmm. Healthy scratch. Guy that's considered raw despite being 25 years old. Chandler Savala. <laughs> One of the topics on Wes's topic tree is <laughs> it might be time to say that Chandler Savala is a bust already. <laughs> yeah, man. You missed on Savala. So, look, we can have the part of it. I heard Mac and Bone mention this earlier. The saving grace for Scott Fitter was that Matt Rule had final say, which matters. If there is a debate on who you want to select at that spot, Matt Rule gets to make that decision. And I think that matters. That's always been the saving grace for anybody that wants to defend Scott Fitterer. But it does not mean that he's completely scot-free. You better hit those drums after you hit the drums all for your job. <laughs> it does not mean that he gets off scot-free here because he's still involved in the scouting process. And now you have this draft alone. Yeah, it's three games in. It doesn't mean that all of these guys' careers are written. But it does not look good through these three games games for these guys man how much is he going to be the dude to fall on the sword if this things go if this thing goes so poorly to the point where we're midway in the season they have one win and you don't have another first round pick on the other side we know the name of the game man the nfl when results aren't in heads are going to roll and so you look at this draft class it's hard enough to hit on a draft class where you have seven picks because more than likely If you're good at what you're doing, you're going to get two starters and maybe two guys that contribute. And that's on the high end of things. But when you only get five picks to find guys to help your football team, that makes it even more pressure packed. Then when you talk about multiple quarterbacks sitting there, now you've got a quarterback that's got uh, he's in the top three for most passing yards in the first three games of a career ever. And they went and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. That makes things look even more uh, wild to a lot of fans. And so I think that it's just going to take Bryce Young getting healthy and showing the competency that he is a guy that belongs in this league that's going to be a dominant player. Mingo, jury's out on him. Uh, DJ Johnson right now, a lot of fans are disappointed with him. Knew it was a risk when you picked him. Zavala not looking great. Jamie Robinson we have not even heard of uh, as of yet in a regular season contest. So I think a lot of fans are going to be looking at that. They're going to look at the depth because depth is, is something that's hard to get in the NFL. It's it is. It's impossible. I mean, it's in college, man. You can't just keep recruiting the best players and have great players. You guys know that. You're smart enough to know that. So it is very difficult. But the best franchises, the most competent ones, are the ones that can find those value picks on on a consistent basis, and that's something that Carolina has kind of had trouble with throughout their history. I'm interested in what y'all think has been worse, though. Has it been the quote-unquote maybe misses in the draft, or how much draft capital this guy's given up? I mean, you traded away a third-round pick for C.J. Henderson. You traded away, I think it was a sixth-round pick for Stephon Gilmore, a guy you didn't resign. Then on the flip side, 
Look at some of the personnel decisions. You decided to pay Dante Jackson, who in the best-case scenario is your third corner, over a guy like Hassan Reddick. My take about him having his best season, it's not going very well. <laughs> my, my man, I swear to God, man. We've all got some misses well, under our belt. Well, but. look, Dante, what, what gets me frustrated about Dante constantly, I don't want this to be a Dante conversation. Just yeah. allow me to vent, shall we? Okay. Just let me vent for a second. Man, the guy just can't stay disciplined to save his life. He just can't. I mean, on the Kenneth Walker route, he just gets caught eyeing the backfield. Kenneth Walker blows right by him. The dude has enough speed to keep up with anybody in the game. But he's so undisciplined. Oh, backfield. Oh, there goes Kenneth Walker. DK Metcalf, he gets pushed like a ragdoll because that's an awful matchup. Hey, DK against Dante. Never in my life do I ever want to see that again. <laughs> gets pushed off, but then he makes a bad read. Even when he catches up to DK, he takes a bad angle towards the line of scrimmage, Wes. In the first half, there was that completion. Anyway, you're right. Go on, Fiddy. I just, the Dante investment, Matt Rule loved himself some Dante Jackson. Let's not forget that. Because he tried to play hurt. I know. It drove me crazy. But you're right to bring it up, Fiddy. You are. Yeah, and, and I, I told this to Willie last night on the Panthers post game. What might be the most damning thing Scott Fitterer didn't do was he didn't trade Brian Burns. Because look at all the capital that you were going to get back for a guy that's not even an all-pro at his position. You're talking about two first-round picks and a second-round pick. And I don't think at the time when they fired Matt Rule, they thought they'd be ninth in the pecking order. But even if you would have made that trade, you would have been in a position to still trade up and get Bryce Young, who we still think is going to be a franchise quarterback, but still have first-round capital to get him a, a weapon that, he, that, that you didn't draft. Like Jonathan Mingo, there's a reason he was the 39th pick, right? And so I, I think that's going to be one thing where if he makes that deal and you still make the deal for Young, he could have gotten a much more explosive weapon to pair with him, and maybe Bryce doesn't look as – underwhelming as he did in his first two starts well and what's interesting too is Wes I think there was somewhat of a cushion that Scott Fitterer had built for himself last offseason because it's not like he had a fantastic draft but Icky in the first round looked like there were some signs to point to and say he's going to be a franchise left tackle after his rookie season nobody was questioning it now they are but last year there wasn't too many people questioning Icky as a franchise left tackle Every other pick, yeah, lots of questions. Matt Corral, not the right guy. Brandon Smith, Amari Barno, Cade Mays, Kalen Barnes, okay? You missed on pretty much every single one of those guys. We'll see about Barno. You get the picture. But especially after drafting Icky, what else does he do? That was the year that he signed Austin Corbett and Bradley Bozeman and the offensive line together with three new pieces, by the way. With Icky, Corbett, and Bozeman, the offensive line played well, especially in the second half of the season. I felt like there was a li trading Robbie Anderson, even if he had a touchdown. Okay, everybody got a touchdown against Denver this weekend. But Robbie Anderson, you let him go. You get something from him. It's not that big of a deal. Last offseason, there was a little bit of a cushion. This year, things are starting to go south for the personnel. Well, I was going to say, too, another quick aside. And I thought Fiddy brought some great points to the table when he brought up the whole draft capital thing didn't quite agree with the Trey Brian Burns deal, but a lot of people could look at that in different ways. But too, man, some of the optics of Carolina's drafting prowess don't look good now when you think about it, the fact of how involved they said Tepper's wife was with the process with the quarterback. <laughs> then you talk about when they asked outsource Steve Smith to ask him about which receiver they should take. When they asked, uh, wasn't it uh, one of their wives 
that they were talking about with Chuba Hubbard. It's Fitty's favorite. It might be Fitty's favorite. Yeah, Matt, Matt Rule's wife. Yeah. Mrs. Rule loved her. Yeah, Chuba so, Hubbard. Yeah, right. so it's like, and Chuba's been a good player, no knock to those guys, but the optics of it looks a little crazy too when you're not having success because people are like, oh, you guys are outsourcing draft picks and calling and asking this person and asking that person. You should be able to rely on your scouts and your room for what you have. It, it feels like everything comes crashing down when you're not winning football games. Depth isn't there. Uh, a lot of impact players as far as just young guys on the roster want to be able to put J.C. Horn in that conversation, but injuries have taken him out of that. Icky looks like he's definitely on the fence right now. Bryce Young, jury still out. So as far as just young difference makers that are homegrown on this roster right now, you don't see a ton of them, and that does reflect bad on the front office. Fiddy brought up a couple of the trades that they did make getting rid of some of the draft capital that they had. The first draft they ever had, they were moving all up and down the board to collect more bites at the apple, which as a philosophy, as a process, I agree with wholeheartedly. If you're hitting on them. If you're hitting on them, for sure, but you, because the draft is so imperfect, it gives you more of a margin for error when you have more bites at the apple, right? When you only have a few picks, it's really hard. If, if one misses, then that means what? Five picks, You 20% of your draft is out the window. If one misses in 2021 where you have a million picks then the percentage it goes down we know margin for error so with scott fitterer the trade for cj henderson doesn't look good you got rid of a third round pick that's a guy that should have a pretty good shot to become a starter for an nfl team you see it all the time from third round picks ultimately it's going to come down to what happens with bryce young and i think this is where the final straw is wes it's bryce young not looking good in the first two games and you did give up dj moore which a lot of people don't even like. <laughs> I mean, so many people, at, at least the text line, at least Twitter timeline, a lot of people don't even love DJ Moore like that. But matter of fact is, you gave up your number one wide receiver and you gave up a first round pick next year to go up and get the quarterback and move up eight spots. When you do that, you're all in at that point. Clock started. And when you trade for a QB and you give up as much as you did and that QB doesn't hit, People are going to ask questions and so much not even ask questions as demand your firing. This is Bryce Young doesn't look great the first two weeks, but it's the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then Andy Dalton comes in against a worse defense and plays better. Part of this we can look at logically. We were prepared for this very scenario, but it's still here, Wes. And Scott Fitter is being questioned a lot as the fan base. They want to talk about him more than anybody else with David Tepper as a close second. Frank Reich being mentioned, but it's those two guys. Scott Fitter is the next one up if you want to do the blame game. Yes. And so also what hurts is some of those comments you make come back to get you. Not that you're saying things to try to, you know, bark at other people. But when you come out and say we want to be number one so we can be in control of the draft, mm -hmm. three quarterbacks sitting there. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination they took the wrong one. But in the event that you did, then people are really going to look at your scouting prowess and be like, okay, maybe we get why you took them, but were you really doing everything you could have done when you see the other two being a little bit more successful early? I think that's hurting this process as well because a lot of people could go back and say, well, the other two rookie quarterbacks are having a tough time too. But C.J. Stroud goes and gets a win yesterday, 20 for 30, 282 tutties. One of the top passers in the league thus far. And that was the main guy that you were deciding between. And you, to this well, point, whether it's fair or not, it looks like you guess wrong to a person who is the uninitiated. And so that's going to exacerbate things even more. Well, what 
The thing is, it didn't even seem like it was between CJ and Bryce. It seemed like it was Anthony Richardson and Bryce. Mm. So if they draft Anthony Richardson, the guy gets concussed, going to have some angry texters, angry people writing into the show, and just angry fans because angry birds. first overall, yeah, <laughs> you have a bunch <laughs> of angry birds out there. <laughs> but you have a lot of Panthers fans that aren't happy with the number one overall. Great. You know, we dealt with this with Cam Newton, the athletic freak. I mean, I could see that conversation happening right now. But what would allow Scott Fitterer to have a little bit of a cushion on this landing is that, hey, he looked good through the first when, when he was playing. Richardson showed you a lot of what you could bet on for him to be a good QB. C.J. Stroud, there was some of that conversation at the very beginning of the process, but that went away after the first month or so, right? It was all about Frank Reich coaching big quarterbacks, never dealt with a small dual threat QB really like that. So it doesn't fit the MO of Bryce Young, but eventually they settled on Bryce and the other two QBs. It's a little bit of a different situation because Wes Bryce Young, he's not the only QB that was drafted in the first five picks that sat this week and had a backup come in and win the game. That happened with the Colts too. Our boy drew got to see Gardner Minshew drew the Gen Z giant. The market. And they actually had a d- discussion about that this morning on ESPN Radio, too, and I thought about Drew. So Gardner Minshew comes in, <laughs> pulls a full Dan Orlovsky stepping out of the back of the end zone, still manages to win the game, but we're not really having that conversation with the Colts because it's all about how they looked with Richardson at QB. We're having that here in Carolina because of the way they looked with Bryce Young at QB, and that's the difference between the two franchises despite being in very similar positions over, uh, over what we saw this weekend yeah and so there's so many different factors that are playing into this and uh the fans right now you look at it and so spence says west this station trash cj stroud because he didn't do well on a stupid test in the combine i told y'all then and i repeat use your eyeballs eyeball eyeballs to see that someone is great okay well that's a little bit of semantics i mean there's a lot of stuff that goes into it but um dalton yesterday just coming in and, 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 and playing well. But again, like I said, you just, you can't count on that. You can't think that that's something that's going to be the norm. And so uh, when they play against teams and, and better defenses, and I think they have a, even though the Vikings are 0 and three, but they, they have a formidable opponent as far as offensively. But a lot of people are getting down too on some of the other picks as well, DJ Johnson. But then I saw another text there. Fans are starting to lose some patience with Mingo as well. Oh, the patience is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Reich, gone. Bryce Young, no thank you. Jonathan Mingo, bye. Uh, Chandler Zavala, I got a co-host that's ready to be done with Chandler Zavala. <laughs> like, I'm with you. The, the patience is gone with everybody that might have only played three games or if you've coached quite a bit. And you hate to see it. It just depends on how does it look. And yesterday, I think that... Fans are still upset, but you scored more points. You had some offense, so I guess the fans took a little bit from that. But, you know, it's just how does it look? And, and with Mingo and Zavala and those guys, it's not looking like how it should look. Like, we get that you're going to struggle, but it's not looking like a struggle with flashes that, okay, this guy's going to be okay. It looks like struggles. Like, damn, like, should they have done this? Mm-hmm. Zach from Kannapolis, he nails it. The pain is real. It's absolutely <laughs> real for Panthers fans right now. Let's move on. Let's talk about what happened in the rest of the NFC South. The Saints, they blow a big old lead. The Falcons, they get beat. And Tampa Bay, well, they play tonight. Let's talk about it. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ talking about the Panthers and, of course, the rest of the NFC South. We go around the division, talk about the Saints. How about the Saints? Looking like what I think was the best team through the first two weeks. Tampa Bay, I guess, had a case just because, but with our preconceived notions before the season started, probably held us a little too far back from anointing them as the best in the division. Saints even playing their C game, as Derek Carr said. They were one that were able to go 2-0 to start the season. Atlanta, they could have been up there as well, but Atlanta, they were held to three points in this game against Detroit, by the way, where Detroit's defense was not expected to be good. They weren't great. They allowed a bunch of points to Seattle in week two, and Atlanta only scored three despite the strong run game. Let's start with the Saints, though, Wes, because they had a victory. Then Derek Carr gets hurt. The defense starts to allow a few more points here and there, a few more successful drives, and New Orleans ain't scoring. And all of a sudden, Green Bay, they end up winning 18-17 to after 18 unanswered points. What does this game say to you about New Orleans and the fact that Derek Carr went down in this game? Uh, not much. I think New Orleans is still pretty good. The offensive line leaves a little bit to be desired. We know how big that that can be. But when you look at this team, they run the ball particularly well, but I think when Derek Carr went out of the game, I t- think that took away a sense of stability uh, with this team. They end up giving up 18 fourth quarter points, but one thing about this Saints offense is you do want to see a little bit more explosion out of them. They don't score uh, very many points when you look at the weapons that they have at their disposal. Lave goes over 100 yards. Michael Thomas has another decent game, but I think they're definitely waiting uh, on the return of Alvin Kamara to help them. Williams is out as well, so that's hurt their running game with your two top backs out, and that maybe could have helped them salt away the game a little bit more. But they got out to a big lead, so I think this team is definitely knocking on the door. But uh, if you get if you get ahead 17 points in the league, you want to be able to obviously finish the deal. But uh, goose egg in the second half, Jameis was not able to get them there. And Green Bay looks like they have a defense for once, too. Well, in Green Bay, they've always had the on-paper defense. It seems like they're playing a lot better. Yeah, they're playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. And Green Bay did to the New Orleans Saints what the Falcons did to Green Bay the week prior. The, The Packers, they were down 17. They come back and win. They allowed Atlanta to come back from a big old deficit where the Falcons were able to get that week two victory because of a few throws that Desmond Ritter made. 
There weren't many throws that Desmond Ritter made in this one against Detroit as far <laughs> as the way that would lead them to a touchdown, right? Uh, I said 20-3. to three. It's actually 20-6, to six, just to be correct about that. Desmond Ritter, 200 yards, 31 of 38 passing, an 11.2 QBR. The You're running Ritter, he had 21 completions. 21 to 38. Yeah. Yes. And 11.2 QBR. The rushing 10 for 33 for Bajan Robinson, 44 yards total. They were inefficient rushing the football. Man, that offense looked awful. And this is the thing that gives you a little hope as far as Atlanta being towards the, maybe not being as good, right? If their quarterback does not play well and their running game isn't going, then, I mean, that both things are very, uh, it's possible every week. I couldn't talk about their offense, but it, it looks like it's very possible for that to happen week in and week out. If you stop the run, then you got to win against Atlanta. And if you don't stop it, then it's going to be really hard to get a victory against Atlanta. Who's able to control the football. So we know well. the running game is very much connected to Desmond Ritter's success last week. When they won, they run the ball 45 times. I think the magic elixir for Atlanta is for them to get into the thirties with their carries as Detroit did, even though Detroit's average wasn't crazy. Jameer Gibbs had a nice average as did Zonovan Knight but they still ran the ball 31 times and that's the thing I think sometimes coaches get impatient with the run and you have to keep doing it no matter what because like my mom asked me yesterday she was like why do people just constantly like to run it up the middle and I said you have to keep the defense honest and it works for your play actions and different things like that so you have to stick with it Atlanta's a team that at this point without dynamic passing play they have to run the ball a boatload of times I don't think 20 carries is enough for this team. I think that they have to get into the 30-plus carry range to have some success. Weren't able to do that yesterday. Detroit's defense, they're finding ways to win. Detroit did. So uh, I felt like they – I don't like to get into the should have won the game, but they were definitely right there against Seattle. This is a team you could easily see as 3-0 right now. So big win for Detroit and Atlanta showed some chinks uh, in the armor, but I still think they're a solid football team. Well, what about Atlanta's offensive line that we expected to be really good? Seven sacks Seven for Desmond Ritter. Sacks. Now, this is the problem. I didn't watch the game in its entirety. I didn't go back and watch it like I would do for Carolina, being in the Charlotte market. Sometimes sacks are a quarterback stat. I don't know if this is Desmond Ritter holding on to the football too long and not getting rid of it, but we can just safely assume that part of it's on the QB, part of it's on the offensive line. Seven sacks is a lot to give up for a defense like Detroit, who isn't as bad as they were last year. We can give them credit for improving, but they certainly be should not be getting seven sacks on you, especially with the offensive line, Wes. Well, I will say that when you call it a quarterback stat, I definitely think that's applicable because you're talking about giving up seven sacks, as we said, 11 tackles for loss. And we know that in the pros, they separate those. And so that tells me that they're not respecting your passing attack one bit. Like, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what those numbers tell me, that they say, we don't care if Desmond Ritter hits us for a long pass, so be it. But we're going to put multiple guys in the box. We're going to sell out against the run because we know that's what you want to do. As I just said, 45 carries the week before. You know that Atlanta, at this point, is getting to disrespectful levels. When you start to see numbers like that, 11 tackles for loss, that's disrespect. That's We don't care anything about your passing attack. We're going to sell out against the run, shoot gaps, blow up the run game, and then Ritter, you do what you will, and we'll see if you're good enough. Aaron from Mallard Creek wrote in, that's still less sacks than the Panthers had false starts. Yeah, <laughs> the false starts, the penalties, it was brutal to watch. Final thing before we move on, wanted to get to this a part of the NFC South discussion. West Tampa Bay is a win away from against Philadelphia 
from being the best team in the division, where even in what we thought was going to be the worst division in all of football, we still had Tampa as the worst team in the worst division in the NFL, and they might just be the best in the NFC South. They just might be. If they beat Philadelphia, that would be a monster victory. With Baker Mayfield, the way that he's playing right now, he's kind of stabilized that passing attack. We know that defense has been playing really, really well, and they're going to have their work cut out for them this week with this Philadelphia front seven. While they may not be as gaudy statistically as they've been, we know they're still very disruptive. I think this is a game very much so where Baker Mayfield is going to have to shine. I don't know how great they're going to be able to run the football on Philadelphia in this defense. We know everything Jalen Hurts represents for them. So this is a huge game. They get them at home. So this is an opportunity. They are a five-point underdog. But this is a game that I definitely don't look at as a gimme with what we've seen from Philadelphia so far this season and what we've seen from Tampa. I think this is definitely a game we're going to learn a whole lot about the Buccaneers and what they're going to offer this year. I really don't know if it could get any worse for Carolina fans. If Baker Mayfield starts 3-0 and with Tampa Bay <laughs> after C.J. Stroud is setting top five records for rookie QBs through three games, Anthony Richardson looking good when he's out there, Baker Mayfield, if he goes 3-0 and with San Francisco, with Carolina doing everything that's with everything that's happening around them, yeah, it's pretty brutal to start. we got a long season to go. It's tough to keep the optimism, but we're going to try to do that on Wesson Walker. Let's actually go to the college football discussion. Man, what a week it was. Had fantastic games. A lot of them delivered. Some were big blowouts. We'll get to all of them in the campus corner. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.